we are doing something a little bit different today. We are doing some tag team teaching, which is one of my favorite ways to teach. And I've asked Aslan to help me because uh, obviously she's one of my daughters. I could have asked any of my daughters, but since she was already working for the third service, I thought I'll put her to work for all three of them. So we're going to do something like that today. And the passage of scripture we're going to be talking about is not just for moms. It is for women. It's, a, it's an incredible passage of scripture. But when God created Adam and Eve, he said, I made them male and female. And then ultimately they became father and mother. And the two are not interchangeable. A father's place is not interchangeable with a mother's place. And a mother's place is not interchangeable with a the father. They both have roles. They both have functions. They both bring strength to the family. So we're going to talk about the mother's role and the strength that she brings. But if you're a single girl here today, there are so many lessons that you can learn from this incredibly strong woman that we're going to read about. It's one of my favorite stories. So I'm going to read this long passage of scripture. It's a, a woman and her husband that lived in history. And those are my favorite things. I like parables, but I really love the true stories because that's what I can pattern my life after. So this is um, in the Old Testament, and we know that prophets in the Old Testament before the cross took the place of the relationship with God. They would, like, intercede for you. And so in the, in the New Testament, we're living after the cross, and so we can have a personal relationship with God. But this is a passage of Scripture that re reflects before Jesus came to earth. And so she relates to this prophet, this man of God, as if we would relate to God today. So the prophet's name was Elisha. One day Elisha, who was an incredible prophet of God, came to the town of Shunem, a wealthy, and the scripture verse that we're translating and reading from is King James, which says a great woman lived there. And she urged him to come to her home for a meal. After that, whenever he passed that way, he would stop there for something to eat. She said to her husband, I am sure that this man who stops here from time to time is a holy man of God. Let's build a small room for him on the roof, furnish it with a bed and table, a chairs and a lamp. Then he, will come and have, then he will have a place to stay whenever he comes by. One day Elisha returned to Shunem and he went up to his room to rest. He said to his servant Gehazi, now servant in this context, he is like an apprentice to the prophet. So he's not like a, a manservant. He is an apprentice. He's learning the ways of the prophetic from Elisha. Tell the woman from Shunem I want to speak to her. When she appeared, Elisha said to Gehazi, now tell her we appreciate the kind concern you have shown us. What can we do for you? Can we put in a good word for you to the king or to the commander of the army? Now, this is a pretty cool gig to think this woman has a man that can come basically like a genie. And, and he comes to her and says, I'll give you whatever you ask. Well, do you want me to call the president? And is there something the president can do? Is there something the governor can do, the mayor can do? What do you need? And what's her response? No. My family takes good care of me. I'm content. I have everything that I need. Later, Elisha asked Gehazi, what can we do for her? She doesn't have a son. So he said, she doesn't have a son, and her husband is an old man. Call her back again, Elisha told him. When the woman returned, Elisha said to her as she stood in the doorway, next time, next year at this time, you'll be holding a son in your arms. 
No, she said. Man of God, don't deceive me and get my hopes up like that. Sometimes that's how we pray. It's like, Lord, I don't want to get my hopes up, but I want to ask you this. But sure enough, the woman soon became pregnant. And at that time, the following year, she had a son, just as Elisha had said. One day, when her child was older, so a few years have passed, he went out to help his father. So he's old enough to go out and work in the fields alongside his daddy. Suddenly, he cried out, my head hurts. My head hurts. His father said to one of the servants, carry him home to his mother. So the servant took him home, and his mother held him on her lap. But around noontime, he died. She carried him up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, then shut the door and left him there. Now just picture that for a moment. She carries her dead son, lays him out on the bed, shuts the door quietly behind her, and leaves him. She sent a message to her husband, send one of the servants and a donkey so I can hurry to the man of God and come right back. She says, honey, why do you need to go today? It's not a holiday. It's not Sunday. But she said, it will be all right. So she saddled the donkey and said to the servant, you hurry up and don't slow down until I tell you to. As she approached the man of God at Mount Carmel, Elisha saw her in the distance. He said to Gehazi, look, the woman from Shunem is coming. Run out and meet her and ask her, is everything all right with you? Is everything okay with your husband? Is everything okay with your child? Yes, she told Gehazi. Everything is fine. Is she lying? What's, what's going on here? But when she came to the man of God at the mount, she fell down on the ground before him and caught hold of his feet. Well, Gehazi began to push her away, but the man of God said, leave her alone. She's deeply troubled. But the Lord has not told me what it is. That's really significant for a prophet to say, God hasn't spoken to me. I don't know what's going on. Then she said, did I ask you for a son? Didn't I say, don't deceive me. Don't get my hopes up. Then Elisha said to Gehazi, get ready to travel. Take my staff and go. Don't talk to anyone along the way. Go quickly. Lay the staff on the child's face. But the boy's mother said, as surely as the Lord lives and, the, and as you yourself live, you're not, I'm not leaving here without you going with me. I think she's threatening the prophet. This is, the mama bear has awoken, and she's like, I'm not going anywhere. And every mother in this room knows exactly what she's saying here. I'm not leaving until I can get help from you. So Elisha returned with her. Gehazi hurried on ahead and laid the staff on the child's face, but nothing happened. There was no sign of life. He returned to meet Elisha and told him the child is still dead. When Elisha arrived, the child was indeed dead, lying there on his bed. He went in alone and shut the door and prayed to the Lord. Then he lay down on the child's body, placing his mouth on the child's mouth, his eyes on the child's eyes, his hands on the child's hands. And as he stretched out on him, the child's body began to grow warm again. Elisha got up, walked back and forth across the room once, and then he stretched himself out again on the child. This time, the boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. Then Elisha summoned Gehazi, called the child's mother. 
when she came in, Elisha said, here, please take your son. She fell at his feet, bowed before him, overwhelmed with gratitude. Then she took her son in her arms, carried him downstairs. We're going to make some observations about this incredibly strong woman. So the observations we're going to make about her, I just want to point out, I know most of you in this room are not mothers yet, and maybe you have no desire to be ever. I don't know where you're at. But even if you're not a mother to an actual child, we all carry a mothering mandate. As women, we have that gift from God to be nurturing, to be loving, and to bring to the table for others around us those things a mother is supposed to provide. So I want to start with that. And also, just to acknowledge, Mother's Day and Father's Day can be a very painful holiday for people, for young people especially, or it doesn't matter your age, because sometimes we do not have parents who are very good. So if your relationship with your mom is a painful one because she's not there, or maybe she failed in some ways to be a good mother to you, just understand that I realize that, and I know that this can be a sensitive day. And if that's you, if you did have an experience with a mother that was not uh, very good at mothering, just know that that does not limit you in your ability to carry that mothering mandate. Whether you want have children in the future, whether you have children now, or whether you never have children, it does not limit your ability to bring to the table what all women are gifted to bring to the table, okay? So two of those things that we see from this woman that we're talking about today, she was a great woman. We're using that word that was in the King James. And two of the things that made her great, she was great in her generosity, and she was great in her love. And y'all know me, third service. You know I love talking about love and relationships and generosity. And we see a great example from this woman because in the story it says, she asked her husband, hey, let's make this guy a room. Like, this is the guy that represents God to us. Let's make him a room. And we know that she wasn't doing it for any other motive because when Elisha asked her, hey, this was really nice of you to do this. What can I do for you? She said, I'm good. My family takes care of me, which is a, a very profound thing for her to say because she did not have children. And in that day and in that culture, to not have a child was a really big deal as a woman because that's what gave you your purpose. And that's also was you, how you were taken care of once your husband died because women had essentially no rights or anything. So for her to not have a child... The scripture says he, her husband was old. For her to say to the man of God, who was saying, look, tell me anything. I'll, give you, I'll ask God for anything you want. For her to say, I'm content. I'm content with what I already have, was quite amazing. And so we know that she was simply moving out of generosity. Not because she was looking for something in return. Not because she was trying to trick him into getting something great for herself. But simply because she was a woman who was generous. And that is kind of the nature of women, that we give and we serve, and we don't always get recognition for it, right? So if you're one of the ones, one of the few that raised your hand, that you're actually a mom today with small children, you know that most of the things you do, 
get no recognition. And it won't for many, 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 many years. <laughs> and hopefully one day your child will be like, Mom, I realize now how much work that was. <laughs> hopefully. But it's a praiseless job, right, for those of you who are moms. So we know that that is something that is uh, kind of in the nature of women, that we can work and we work hard and we don't necessarily get praise for it. Something that stands out to me in this scripture is that her husband supported her generous efforts. So when she's like, let's spend our money and make a room for this guy, he was like, okay, let's do it. And I so appreciate that about David. For those of you who are single, maybe looking, you know, you're maybe dating someone, looking for someone to marry in the future, look, women, look for a man who will support your generous spirit, who doesn't live by fear or by scarcity, but who lives with faith. And when you take a step of faith, it's not just money we're talking about. Women, we can be generous in our time, in our words, in um, the, the things that that we do give to people. There's generosity covers a whole broad span. But I'm so grateful to David because he supports me every time that I have uh, something crazy that I want to do. For example, for the Build campaign that we started a year and a half ago, we're, for those that don't know if you're new here, we're saving money for a new building. So some of us have pledged and are giving a certain amount to help buy this new building. So when we heard about it, started praying, and I felt like God gave me a challenge of how much he wanted us to give. And it was a substantial amount for us, something that would require us to change our lifestyle. And it was a big step of faith for us. And so I went to David, and I was like, okay, I don't know if you've thought about how much we want to give, but this is what the number I feel like God told me. And he was like, hmm. He just got quiet. He didn't say anything. He's like, let me think about it. And he thought about it, and he prayed about it, and he came to me, you know, a few days later and said, okay, if you feel like that is what God is challenging us to do, then let's do it. And that is such an important thing to have people in your life that support your generosity because it's something um, that changes the lives of those around you when you're generous with your time, with your money. There were many women who were generous to me growing up. I had a great mother. Dr. Crystal was a great mother to me. I didn't feel like I had any lack. But there were lots of women in this church who also mothered me. The moms of my best friends. How much time I would spend there. So if you did not have a mother who is generous or did not have a mother in the faith and you feel like you're lacking something in the mothering area, there are women in this church who can be that for you. Because I received mothering from more women than just my mom. And there were many women who spoke into my life, and I so, so, so appreciate that because it changed my life. She was also great in love because I think generosity is born out of love. Let's read Proverbs 31, 20. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. Proverbs 31 is a long chapter that talks about, like, women and how influential and great women can be. And so we see another example here of how being generous, being loving, reaching out to those in need is an important aspect of mothering and womanhood. Can anyone think of probably who the greatest example of a mother was who wasn't actually a biological mother? There's, yes, thank you, Cole. Mother Teresa is probably our greatest example that represents, you don't have to actually be a biological mother to 
wear that mothering mantle. She's worked in an orphanage and charities, and she worked with the poor and dying. And one of her mottos, or one of the things she was quoted with saying, was that every person, every child should die beautifully. Meaning no baby, she, it was her goal that no baby die alone. And so when these babies would be brought to the orphanage, she would assign the volunteers to hold each one of them until they died. For however many hours they lived, she said, hold them because they deserve to die knowing that they were loved by someone. And Mother Teresa was a big, has been a big inspiration to me in my life because as you know, Dave and I, it took us a long time to have children, but I didn't feel like that stopped me from doing that, having that mothering mantle and mentoring people around us by any means. So mothering, having that mantle of mothering, being great, being a woman who is great in love looks different in every season and it looks different all the time. So those of you who has, so you already raised your hand, do you are in the thick of it with children under the age of five, some of you. It's a tough road. So for Janelle, Janelle, hang in there. She's had a tough weekend. It's a different kind of love. It's surviving things like this. That's paint <laughs> that that child got all over the living room and all over the TV. So sometimes as a mother, being great in love means not, means handling those kinds of situations. But love also looks like, this is Courtney and Renji, adopting from India, adopting a child that is not biologically theirs. Love, being great in love, looks like grandparents helping raise their grandchildren. It looks like our lovely mentors, there's Emily and Emily, at the Lovely Project, mentoring these young girls in the school. And it looks like women, that's Sarah, she's a nurse, in their careers, affecting the people around them. So being a woman of great love and generosity is not just limited to mothers. You can do that in every season, in every different way. It also, love also looks like, this is my last point, and I'll hand it over to Dr. Crystal. Being great and full of love also means discipline, right? It's not just all lovey-dovey, Everything's accepted. It means training. It means directing. It means saying the hard things sometimes. So I know for some of you that are being mentored, that are in small groups, sometimes you get frustrated with your mentor, like, she's so hard on me. Like, why can't... That's love, to direct you, to speak the truth to you so that you can be successful is also loving. And that's part of carrying that mothering mantle as a small group leader, as a mother, that you provide words of wisdom and insight and direction. Another thing that we love about this woman is she was great in faith. And um, we're going to look at exactly the steps that she took. But first I want to share just a little story. For those of y'all that know, one of our granddaughters is named Abby. And she's a middle child. And she has like a little speech impediment, which she's correcting. And so I had taken her out to lunch because I have a special place in my heart for middle children since I are one. Yes. Um, so we had gone to lunch. We went to Steak and Shake. And I had bought her something called a Hatchimal. Who knows what a Hatchimal is? Okay. So, yes. Okay. So they're not cheap. First of all, we'll say that. But it's, it's cute. It's a cute concept. It's got this egg, like a ceramic kind of egg. It's about this big. And you're supposed to care for the egg and, and love it and nurture it. And then it, it cracks. And, and then the, the little thing peeps and comes out. I mean, it's really, whoever thought of that, it's, it's a good idea. But 
Anyway, so I had bought our Hachimal, and we were sitting down at lunch, and as we were eating and talking, the little thing starts chirping and, and, and chipping away at the, at the egg, at the shell. And so I thought, oh, this is really cool. And so we're eating, and, and she's getting more and more excited. And I was kind of getting excited because I didn't know what they were supposed to do. I just knew that all the kids were raving about them. I thought, this was really, this is really cool. So as we're into it, like about 30 minutes, she said, uh, Nana, can I pull away the shell to basically help the chick get out, you know, make it happen faster. Can I pull away the shell? Can I, can I just start picking away at the shell? That way, the, that way I can have the Hatchimal quicker. And, and, and I thought, oh, and of course, being a grandma, you don't waste an opportunity to teach. So I told her, I explained to Abby the purpose of struggle. I explained to Abby the purpose of problems in our life. That there, if we approach them with the attitude of faith, with the eyes of faith, with the actions of faith, those struggles, those opportunities, those, those mountains will strengthen us. So I said, Abby, if you, let's say this was a real chick. I know this is a, a, a robotic chicken, but let's say this was the real chick. If, if you were to help that little chick open up the egg and not allow them to peck through the egg on their own, what happens? You all remember from your biology class, or those of y'all that were, was anybody here raised on a farm? I don't see a single hand going up. Okay. So we know that if you don't allow the chick to peck its way through, that's what strengthens that little baby chick, so that when it's hatched, it can actually survive. It can thrive. It can live the life it was intended, that little chick was intended to live. So I told her, I said, Abby, Nana has problems, and you have, you're going to see problems, and you're going to see obstacles, but it's how we handle it. It's what we do. And so as mothers, as women, people are watching your struggle. They're, they see the problems, and it's important that we approach it with the eyes of faith. Now, this woman, she had a particular horrific, one of the most horrific things that could happen to a family. You know, I see some of the brand new mothers, Hannah and Caitlin, brand new mothers. Just imagine four or five, six years passing what this woman is, woman is getting ready to go through. You'll see what great faith she had. So we see what she did at first. She went up and she laid the baby on the prophet's bed. Now that was very symbolic because that told me that she was making plans for that boy to live. She wasn't making plans to bury her son, even though he was dead. That was her first act of faith. My child will live. My hope will live. My self-esteem will live. This is not going to overcome my life. So she sets out making plans for her life. She gets to her husband, and she guards the words she speaks. Now, this was the boy's father. It was also her husband. She guards what she says, and this has puzzled me for so long, because when he, when he asked her, he said, honey, where are you going, or why, why are you going today? How does she keep from saying, this is what happened, and your son, our, our baby is laying up in the bed, he's dead, and, and I don't know what happened, his head, and how did she keep from telling the truth, from sharing that with the man who had a right to know? And she basically said, when she said it will be all right, when you study the commentaries, what she's saying is, honey, will you trust me? 
Will you trust me? And the relationship was such that he said, yes. You know what? You think you need to go do this? Go do this. I support you. I support you. So she goes on. She gets the donkey. She gets her supplies. And she goes on. She tells the servant, don't stop until I tell you to stop. Let's go. So now the apprentice comes up to her and says, are you okay? Is your husband okay? Is the child okay? Once again, she has an opportunity to go, you're not going to believe what happened. This is the baby that you gave me. And, you... and what does she say? Everything is fine. What is she lying? Everything is not fine. But her step of faith, she was going to get to the, the, in this case, it was the prophet. For us, it will be our prayer closet. Someone will agree with us and let's go in prayer. She knew that she needed to wait, guard her spirit. Because the more people you tell, the more people are going to have, you know, you know, you shouldn't have never let him go out in the field. You know, you shouldn't have given him that for breakfast. You know, you should never have. So she guards her tongue and she waits till the right time. But the boy's mother said, so she gets to the prophet. Now she gets to the place, the one place that she knows God is going to hear her. And she lets him have it, basically. Because she's like, why did, you, why did you lie to me? Why did you tell me it was going to be okay? Why did you give me a son? Didn't I say I was fine? And you said, no, 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 you're going to have a son. Now look what's happened. So she's, now's the time to talk. And by dinghy, she's talking. And he's like, okay, well, I'm going to send, I'm going to send Gehazi. He's going to go and he's going to, no, 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 no. I'm not leaving until you go with me. It almost sounded like she was threatening him. I'm sure that she wasn't, but it sounded like she said, I'm not going unless you go with me. That's a mama. That is, you know, the expression mama bear. But that is strength of fortitude. That's, you know what, this is what we're going to do. Okay, she pleads her case passionately, and then we, we know what the prophet does. We saw what he did. And this was a, a physical thing that he did, but it was also a spiritual thing that happened. I'm just trying to think, what did she say to that boy? You know, the Bible says she laid him on the bed. What would you say, Janelle? Jude, what would you say? I can imagine she played with his hair, whispered, it's going to be okay. Mama's coming back. He won't be alone for long. And she took steps of faith. She did what she needed to do. She had great faith, the Bible says. And some of the things that she did is like, wow, how did she get by with saying that, with doing that? She perceived that God wanted to help her. She perceived that God was to be trusted. She perceived what God wanted to do. So to close, I, want, I hope that all mothers here feel encouraged. You are doing such an important work. I know that it doesn't get recognized, and then maybe it feels like uh, you have to sacrifice 
more than the, the spouse, or there's all kinds of emotions that go along with mothering. But we appreciate the hard work that you do. And if you're here and you're not a mother, be encouraged and inspired by the great women of faith to know the mantle that we are supposed to carry, even if you're not a mother. And I'm encouraged because whether you had a great mom or whether you didn't have the greatest mom, you can still be a great inspiration, a great mothering figure to those around you.